You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by sci-fi author R.M. Almonte. R.M. is the author of the United Earth series, as well as Scratching the Cosmic Conscious. Born to Dominican parents and raised in New York City, Ramon has an interesting history with the strange, a father who would stare at the Dominican sky for UFOs, a mother who would put protection spells on Ramon, a grandmother who fought off a changeling, and his own personal experiences with ghosts, strange dreams, and moments of absolute clarity pushing him on his current path. Ramon has experienced a lot and is familiar with even more, a truly awesome conversation with an interesting man. Expect to see him again on future episodes. Give RM a follow and let him know you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase a vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILDANDWEIRD at checkout. That's wild, A-N-D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and today my guest is R.M. Almonte, and he's a science fiction author. Welcome, R.M. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I will introduce myself real quick. So my name is R.M. Almonte. That's my pen name. But you guys can call me Ramon or Raymond, whatever is more comfortable. So I grew up in New York City, not too far from Bryan, in Manhattan, in the Upper West Side area. And my parents are from the Dominican Republic. They migrated before I was born in the 70s. Like uh, lots of Dominicans were migrating in that, that era to this area. And I grew up speaking bilingual. So Really, even though I was born in the United States, my first language would be more Spanish. And then once we enter school, then I started using more English, of course. And so a lot of the times I grew up translating for my parents and other people. And so that, that's helped me a lot. And with my dad, especially, his side of the family is very uh, hardcore Baptist, but they were also the weird 
side, which was they were very big on aliens. And my dad would always look up at the stars whenever we, so every summer I would go to Dominican Republic and we would look up at the stars and he would always talk about aliens and some of his experiences he's had. He would talk about his mother's experiences, uh, which we'll, we can get into that later. And as far as my writing career, that started, it was um, 2002, uh, around this time of year. I don't remember if it was before my birthday or after my birthday. I was, so before I go into that, I always wanted to go to Japan since I was 12 years old. And back when I was around 18, 19, I was always waiting for something to kind of take me over there. During that time, I was doing a college radio show with a friend of mine, CO Sweet, and I was like a house music. And a lot of them were always, you know, getting booked and traveling over there. And I was waiting for, for this to happen. And fast forward to 2005, it was, um, no, sorry, 2002, the summer of 2002, uh, I was with a friend of mine and she, how can I say, she would sometimes get these feelings and she was kind of psychic and she like somewhat gets into this kind of weird trance and she was like if you don't ever just do it you'll never do it she's basically she said like if you don't do it by this summer you'll you'll never do it so i called my sister up asked for her credit card hey let me buy this ticket i brought the ticket i was freelancing for flower shops and places like that i had 800 in my pocket I had met this girl in the clubs uh, that she was back in Japan. And she was like, yeah, you could just stay with me and just pay me rent. Uh, so I rented this. It was like a, a loft above her kitchen where I slept out. I couldn't even stand up. And I went to Japan, $800, got a job working illegally, washing dishes. And that's how I ended up in Japan. And one day I was walking uh, with a friend of mine who did something similar. And so he's from New Jersey as well. I think he's from uh, Newark. And we were walking through this area. If you've ever been to Japan, there's an area called Shibuya, which is uh, very popular. And then there's another area called Rapungi. We we're walking from there to there to go to the clubs. And we didn't have any money. So we couldn't be consistently taking the train. And let me tell you, the train system is amazing. But as we walk into this tunnel, I just had this strong urge to, oh, I want to write. And I, I turned to him, I said, it was, it was a Wednesday and it was around nine, nine 30 at night. And I said, I want to write. So when I came back, so I spent a whole three months, which is what your visa will allow you a tourist visa. And I started working on the, my first book. And the first book I was working on this old computer, it crashed, lost all the information gone didn't learn my lesson started working on a second book and all that information again crash was gone got smart the third time this is already 2006 and i started working on scratching the cosmic conscious which is the first book and i learned to back it up so please people back everything up double back it triple back it and so that book was amazing in the sense that it really tests you if you ever written a book it doesn't matter where we're talking about fiction or nonfiction. when you're writing a book it really 
the most negative side of you comes out like a wild man attacking you every way it can in the sense of hitting, you know, pulling on, on your self-doubts. And I had this dream where this guy I knew from the clubs in the dream, he says, yeah, I read your book. It's terrible. It's absolutely uh, horrible. You you shouldn't be a writer, you know, like it's a terrible book. So I stopped writing for six months. And then I had another dream with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Brooks Agno. I know the name. Yeah, he has he has a show too, and he does a lot of the, uh, what do you call it, like Agartha kind of thing and stuff like that. He talks a lot about that. But anyway, in the dream, he comes out and he says, don't call yourself a writer because writers write. And you can't be a writer if you don't write. And that snapped me out of it. And I started working on this book. Uh, around that same time, I was working for this company where I would stay late night. And at that time, I was looking at a lot of scientific papers and trying to get ideas, you know, for the whole sci-fi thing. And my coworker shows me this UFO footage. And all of a sudden, it just opened me up because, you know, my dad always talked about it. And especially in the Latin community, it's not as closed as a lot of times American community could be about it. You know, you you talk about this to the wrong person, their eyes glaze over and they walk away from you. <laughs> but in the Latin community, they're a lot more open, not everyone, but a lot more open to talk about it. So I started looking and, and getting all these ideas and stuff like that. And I went over to Washington to a place called Trout Lake. And I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Um, he said he, the place. You ever heard of that place? Oh, he does the fifth. James Gilliland. Um, there's there's like three three of them. There's the one who does the satellite and they, you know, they're looking for signals. That's the scientific one. Then there's E SETI. Um spell I forgot the spelling is different, but he has like this land and you consistently see a lot of strange things going over the sky there and it's very clear. It's pretty high up. It's one of those things that even in July or August, it's really hot in the daytime. And then at nighttime, you need your coat. This is Washington State? Yes. Okay. So it's about an hour away from Portland and a couple hours from Seattle. So I went there and I was, you know, amazed seeing these lights crossing the sky and doing a lot of strange things. And of course, I fed the book. And finally, I finished the book up in 2012. So it took me six, um, about six years to finish that book. And for those of you who, who want to write a book, there's no reason for a book to take six years. If it took you six years, it's because your self-doubt was consistently attacking and winning battles. You know, my next book's uh, United Earth uh, series took about two years, each one to come, two to three years, each one to come out. And I did one book, and that one is not out yet, and I haven't picked a name for it, but that one I did in about uh, two months. So it's, you know, progressing and getting better. Do you feel that you're getting better because now the self-doubt's not there as much, the self-sabotage, whatever it might oh, be? Oh, he's always there. You, he's, he's always, always there. there. Okay. But he's are you able there. to combat that more now? Because you're like, look, I, I did this. Like, I know I can do this. Yeah. So right, like now I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not scared of him anymore. I know that he just likes to talk a lot of crap and, and that's, 
that's his thing, you know? So I'm able to push him to the side. And, you know, for me, like my first draft, I know it's going to be terrible. It's the first draft. But guess what happens once you finish the book? You can do the second draft and the third draft. You can edit, you can cut things out. Like there's no rule that says your first draft, that's it. Like we're not writing in stone. You know? Right. This is like if a movie maker, you know, it's just all the first takes or whatever, and you put it together. But like, no, there's 30 takes, there's editing, there's there's music you put on top of it, there's shadowing and all this other stuff that you know, movie effects, yeah. Effects that they can do with it. So that that's yeah. that's crazy. So when you were in Washington State, and we'll get back we'll, we'll we'll jump back on your stuff in a minute. There are I wish I remember there was a podcast I was listening to, and there are these people who are going, there's like two mountain ranges that you can sit in between. And like apparently the UFO activity is just insane there. And they're near, supposed to be yes, near Mount, I believe I get confused because they have like four mountains. When you're flying into the area, you can see four mountains. So you have Mount Hood. Mount Adam is the closest one to where I'm talking about. And what's the other two? I can't remember. Mount Hood, I don't know. You said Mount, Mount Hood Adam. and that, that triggered something in my head. I feel like maybe it was one of those. But apparently there's yeah. supposed to be a underground military base there. And they're test flying all of their, their secret stuff. So yeah. the one guy was in San Francisco and he knew his buddies were were up there. And he he watched something like zoom straight over him. He's like, guys, like this thing was moving. He's like, if you're there, he's like, look up, it should be there. And he's like, in a few minutes, like on that same trajectory, it went over them and disappeared into that mountain range. But these people who were there, they're like, dude, this is paranormal, like hotspot. This is like the Skinwalker Ranch. He's like, yes. I'm looking at the mountains and I see Bigfoot walking up there. This thing is just going straight up a sheer cliff. He's like, it's crazy. It was huge. He's like, there are portals. There's like this green half circle hanging in the sky. He's like, you're watching things go in one side and not come out the other. You're watching them just come out of the portal. He's like, whatever's happening there is like completely, but you know, it could be, you know, United States technology, but it's like yeah. otherworldly. The first time I went, I believe it was um, uh, 2010. That's when I went and I spent three weeks there. What was crazy about that time was, no, sorry, that was the second time. The first time in 2010, I spent just a weekend there. And the first thing I saw was it was a little bit cloudy and there was a light, right? If it's a satellite, you can't see it if it's cloudy, right? And if it's a plane, you know, I forgot what what is it. When a plane is coming towards you, it's the green, right? The green light on the left and the red light on the right, or is the other way around? Yeah, yeah. right. And that's so planes can tell, they know if it's the planes going away from them or coming towards them. Because remember, when a plane is coming at you, it doesn't look like it's moving and could look like a UFO. But those lights flashing will tell you what it is. That's not what I saw. What I saw was this satellite looking thing under the clouds coming and then got real bright and there was like a plasma discharge and it was gone. Now, if there's a satellite that can do that, please let me know so I could put it in my books. You know? <laughs> so you, you grew up with it. You said your dad's open to this. He talked about his experiences. He talked about your grandmother's experiences. Did you have any anything growing up that you saw? In the UFO world, no, none at all growing up until I went to Yosemite Ranch. But I did have a lot of um, paranormal things growing up. So I'll tell you a quick story. So when I was around about, I must've been like 16 or 17, I was just sat up in my bed. I was awake, it was in the morning and I saw this child come out of the curtain and the child was dressed like 
1800s. Um, you know, the, the, I don't know what you call those hats, but it's kind of big school hat with a bow. Uh, like and, the pilgrim hats or? I mean, I don't okay. know what kind of hat it is, but yeah. anyway, the point is this child smiles at me and blends right back into the thing. And I don't know how you call it in English, but in Spanish, that that child was it's called the Nino de Antorcha, which is it translates to the child of the torch. And I walked over to my mom's room and told her about it. And she was like, oh, you know, you were dreaming. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> but so, those kind of experiences that I had growing up and stuff like that. So the Spanish name that you just said for that child, the, the, the child of the torch, what does that mean? What's that uh, meaning in, in Spanish? Like what, in, what's the cultural? The in the Latin culture, that would be, so as you know, like in a lot of like the Irish culture, the Italian culture, a lot of Latin cultures, you get a blending of religions. So because when Catholicism came into those, a lot of different countries, it was like you didn't have a choice. You were forced to follow it or they would kill you, you know, or torture you. So a lot of times you would get the indigenous cultures blending in with that. So in Dominican Republic, you get the culture of Yoruba blended in with Catholicism, and they would change the names, like you know, of the deities, and these new names would come out. So this one is the one in the in the Catholic that would be baby Jesus. They would call it like Santeria, or depending which country, it would have different names. And he's in charge of taking care of children. Like to make sure that children are safe, they're not abducted. That's kind of the thing. And my mom, you know, will always buy me those um, kind of things to keep me safe as a child and stuff like that. You know, what's weird was my mom wasn't really open to the whole idea about UFO and things like that, but she was very open to always doing things to kind of like putting protection spells on us and, and stuff like that. And having vivid dreams of, you know, don't go there, don't do that, you know, be careful with those, you know, she was really good at that person has bad intentions, stay away from them. It's kind of funny. So like, you know, they say Western culture, but that only means like United States of America, but like, you know, yeah. not everyone is open to ghosts or UFOs. I feel UFOs are coming along a lot more in the last couple of years. Oh, but, a lot more. A, yes. a lot more. But now if you talk to the wrong person, they're like, this dude is insane. Like, what is he talking about? Yet it's on the news or congressional hearings. But then the Caribbean culture, a type of like magic or spells or or beliefs or like burning sage or certain things you might do is bigger there. And you said, oh, your mom's not into UFOs, you know, or, or believes in them. But to her, that was like, no, that, that's a little too much. But protection spells and, and certain candles and doing certain things. That part's okay. <laughs> that part's okay. Yeah. But, that's, but hey, as long as you're in, in that world a little bit. That's uh so you see this little boy blend out of the curtain. He's got his hat on, he's dressed in, you know, old time clothes, and then he goes back and like blends right back in, you don't see him. Do you move out the next day? Like when are you like, hey, mom, dad, I'm out of here. I am uh, I'm going to Japan. Like this, it's time to go. No, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't scared of it at all. Like I didn't get that kind of feeling of being scared. And because I always heard these kind of stories, it it, it was like it's crazy, it's amazing, but you kind of move on with your day. Like it almost felt like if you saw someone doing something weird, just like this dude did something weird, but you move on with your day, right? Like it's not right. it just doesn't take goes over. there for a second and moves on, and you're you're not yeah giving any it, more attention. And it's something that unless you're around the right people, you don't talk about. 
you know, right. and and being the title of the show, this is the right place to talk about. <laughs> this is the perfect place to talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. So you have some ghost experiences. You have some paranormal experiences. Your family is open to you know, different aspects of either things from their culture or not. That make hey that make that culture a lot more fun than just growing up and be like hey everything in the Bible they say is true yet none of that stuff happens anymore and you know if you talk about it like you're the crazy one you know which is just kind of fascinating on its own. It's funny because you know like I think like everybody in the world we have very strong contradictions and you know my dad was extremely strict you know especially my grandmother like no dancing kind of thing like that's the you know unless you're dancing for for god you're it's devil you know kind of thing and you know that's the devil you know but the spanish version of satan but then when it came to the paranormal stuff they were extremely open to it so in my grand like i heard obviously i don't know if it was true or not but my grandmother had this situation where when my dad was small there was this guy who came into the house tried to take one of his siblings and then my grandmother grabbed a scissor and supposedly threw it at the scissor and it stuck him and then he changed into a cat and ran off so in english we would call those skinwalkers in dominican republic we call them galipotes so we do have the stories of of changelings in in that culture too as well and I think if you look all over the world, you'll find names, different names for these kind of people. So, you know. What would happen if a changeling took a child? They're, they're not coming back? Are they swapping? You know, there's like Irish culture that they would, they would swap they babies would swap, out. You'd, yeah. You'd, yeah. You'd have like this ugly little old man baby all of a sudden. It's like, oh, no, I want my child back. No, it was, I, the story was like, if they took them, they would like eat them or something would, not good. You not know? good. Okay, not so, coming back. Yeah. But I mean, I don't care if you're human or non-human or where the hell, you're not coming to take my child. You know. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's know? not happening. Right. I was just yeah. wondering, you know, more what happened in the culture with it. You know, that the, as we talk about, the Irish should swap them out and then yeah. you're stuck with little old man baby, I guess. And they have to but go and do... It was uh, kind of, in the Irish culture, it was more like they would be raised as fairies. Wouldn't it be the human... So the fairies, I think, would steal the babies, and then they would replace them, and then the parents had to, you could, like, demand the child to come back, but then also you would just leave the child in the wilderness, and they said, like, this all sounds crazy for whatever this is, but, like, the baby would cry for, like, days or whatever, and sometimes you would go back, and your baby would be replaced, and you'd get back okay. your original baby. All right. That kind of sounds nuts. But I have a I have a buddy in my, my neighborhood who is from Ireland, and I've been meaning to have him come on just talk about you know Irish folklore and things like that. And he said, for in general, you know, the Irish are you know relatively serious people. He's like, but you will talk to somebody who has zero ghost beliefs, zero supernatural beliefs, and in their field, you know, it's completely plowed wherever they might have. And then there's just like one bush in the middle of it, and then someone's like, well, how come you didn't plow that down? Like, oh, that's where the fairies live. But like they yeah. don't believe in ghosts. They don't believe in UFOs. But like, oh no, that that bush but is where the fairies live. They take it very seriously. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like that, I, that's interesting too. I had a weird co coincidence, and I don't believe in coincidence. But I was watching a documentary about Ireland and fairies, and I remember my wife. You know, she doesn't know what I'm watching. She's doing her own thing. She's on Facebook, and she turns to me and she tells me, "Oh, my friend's daughter just told her that she saw a fairy, but you know, adults can't see them." And I was like, 
that is crazy because I'm here watching it and I was laughing because in one part of the doc, I forgot what the documentary is called, but in one part of the documentary, he's saying these people want to cut down these fairy trees. They think they can't die. Yeah, sorry, I can't do that Irish accent. Yeah. But, so. <laughs> They're so close. <laughs> um, I was laughing because it was like, you know, they take just like if you go to Iceland, they take, the you know, the roads go around. So bringing it back to, to my books, like all these stories and stuff like that, no matter how crazy you think they are, fit them into my books and stuff like that. So it's always been a part of my life. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So we can't say, no, that doesn't exist. You got proof. You can't prove that you know, that it doesn't exist. It seems as you try harder to, to disprove things and you just look at the different cultures who have so many similar stories. Like, well, where does all this come from? You know, like there's like every every culture has a flood story. You're like, okay, yep. so like, is, is Noah true? Like, at some point, there's something like that happened. Like for everyone to have these stories and now you're having all these fairies or all these little, you know, the changelings or things like this. Uh, like that has to have happened at some point. I grew up Catholic and, you know, with the church and all that stuff and then haven't gone in forever. And earlier this year, I actually went to a mass with my wife and it, it was like the perfect one for me to go to. And they were getting into just, you know, oh, um, you know, Jesus has apostles or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're like, well, how do you know, like, how do you know that like, I, I'm the one? And, and they're like, oh, because you do all these healings. He's like, yeah, but everyone's doing all these healings. And he's like, well, how do you know? And like, there's going on they're like, well, you do this. He's like, yeah, but everyone's doing that. Like, how crazy was it? Even if the Bible is just like 10% true at that time, 2000, 2500 years ago, whatever. You're you're having just mass miracles, like everybody doing them, and like everybody claiming to be the prophet. Yet you know he was you know the chosen one they they picked and and went after. But there were other ones at the time. Like how do you know? Oh, this guy he was just lying about it. Like he's just doing mass healings and he's just you know feeding hundreds of people, whatever. It is. Like whatever the story might be. Like what a wild west of a time back then of just craziness going on that none of that happens now. And if you told one person about one of those stories happening now, they would think you're insane. Yeah. I don't know if I think a lot of those things happen now too as well. It's just that, you know, everything is written off. So I don't know. Did you hear about the? Um, uh, sorry, people. I know we're jumping from like you know. That's ATV. all we do here. We just go left, right, left, right. Everyone's on board. Don't worry. So did you guys hear about the one in Miami? Oh, the um, Miami aliens that came to the the Biscayne Bay Mall. Of course. Yeah, and I was like. Darn, nobody sent me a, a postcard. I could have driven down, you know, it's only yeah. a three hour drive. But what do you think about that? You know, I think something did happen because, you know, I didn't grow up in a great neighborhood and I seen police come at shootings. They'll never come a hundred deep like that. The only time I saw that was during 9 11, where it was but every unit in the entire tri state area came to that. That's, obviously you know obviously understandable for this the if the entire mall was being blown up by a terrorist yes i can understand that but that's not what happened it was like supposedly two groups of gangs fighting and teenagers and fireworks and you know gang, whatever it might have been you know gangs teenagers whatever but there wasn't the lines completely oh, one doesn't it was i guess miami has 100. that many police cars there was i was like how many police cars does the city have yeah, it was over a hundred. So that means they were coming also from from close by, you know, from other areas. So something happened, and there was one guy who was saying, and the way he he described them, I was just like, wow, I'm putting that in my book. <laughs> it was he was saying that you know they were walking, and they were like shadows, but they wouldn't walk; they would like phase forward, 
you know. They were glitching of, in and out and moving forward as they were doing yeah. it. Yeah. What, what was that? This is great business for you, man. Like the crazier the story, you're like, oh, I can put that on my book. You know, you don't yeah. even need the proof to be like, hey, there's Miami Mall monsters. You're like, no, so put that on my book. Yeah, I just add, add it in. It, it was amazing. But here's the thing about video. It got, oh, do you remember the one about the guy who, I think he was like a homeless guy walking across the street and this guy just teleported, grabbed him and took him out of the way of a truck coming? I've seen videos like that. I don't know if I've seen that one though. It was like late at night, there was this truck coming and a guy was going to get rammed and this other person just like, it was like he teleported in, grabbed them and teleported, dropped them off on the other side of the street and then he was gone. And, you know, they said, oh, that's a video game. Okay. Where is it? I haven't seen a video game. You know, especially back then, I like big into video games. So where is the video game? So my point with that is it's so easy to write these things off and people just, you know, oh, that's our Earth lights. Okay, prove it. You know, what is Earth lights? Where's the proof of, you know, like you'll hear scientists just come up with excuses with no proof behind it. They just change the science to make it match whatever they want to say. And like, well, when did like the Earth's atmosphere now goes out past the moon? Yeah. Like like that. I was like, well, when that, like, so we never uh, left the atmosphere? Like, what do you, like, I don't understand. Or the temperature inversion with the 1952 uh, UFO over the Capitol. Well, that's a temperature inversion. Really? We haven't seen that. We haven't seen it since. You know, that's something that should be provable and and happens over and over again. Swamp gas. You know, even the scientists were laughing at that one. Yeah, um, they, they really just come out with the most nonsense stories. And then the clouds I love, just like all the different shapes of clouds that come out, you know, I don't know how much you read into Harp or anything like this, like the weather modification or DARPA yeah. doing it. And, but they always have such an explanation, like, I've never seen those clouds. Like, wouldn't, like, where are these pictures? Like, they're amazing to look at, but then it's like, well, this kind of looks like, like, why are they each little like sandwich cut? Like, they're just like little triangles that are all yeah. puffy up next to each other. And like, well, actually, that's actually called this, this, and this. And it happens every 6,000 years. Like, uh, okay. Sounds like you kind of made it up. Yeah. But it gets written off. But here's the thing. If we have a video of me and you getting trashed at a bar and we like, you know, start trashing the bar, everybody buys that right away, you know. But oh, yeah. if if there's an alien there trashing it with us, oh, that's CG. Yeah, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. It it yeah. is it does make it hard, all the videos now, because CGI is relatively cheap and people can just do in their basement and like the kids nowadays can just, you know, do okay, everything they I, can do. I'm gonna say one thing about that. For those of you who are wasting your time doing free CG to to make up uh, fake UFOs, come to me and you know make a book trailer for me and use this. C- put your CG to work. I can't pay you much, but I'm going to give you more than making fake UFOs. So if that's all CG, please email me. <laughs> yeah, it just makes some of them. Some of them just are hard. Like when Tom DeLonge was on Rogan. I don't know if he was on the second time, but he was definitely on the first time. And, yeah. like, you know, that's when, you know, Tom DeLong was read in. He was starting To the Stars Academy, all this stuff. And he was just like, oh, and like, here's this video. I know this one's real. And he's showing it, like, some of the videos that he was choosing that are real, like, looked like the most fake thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, the it's the circle UFO that kind of just, like, flings back and forth. It's like the top of the 
the screen. It's like the little silver, old school, 1950s, like science fiction. Oh, UFO. is that one of the, from the guy in Switzerland? Um, what's his name? I don't know who made it, but DeLong's like, no, this one's real. And Rogan's like, dude, like I'm pretty sure people came out and said like that was attached to a fishing line and it just swung there. Now there are other UFO videos where you're like, Hey man, like yeah. what is that? But like he was picking the most obvious ones that were like, are um, you sure so that's something Meyer, Billy Meyer. And he was making those. And like they would um, throw frisbees, whatever they would do, and they would take the picture and like, hey, in 1960, 70, 80, like that's pretty amazing. You're like, oh my God, like what is that? But as we've yeah, gotten better the, and better. The Billy Meyer story that's um in Switzerland, and he supposedly was he's the one who pretty much made the Pleiadian aliens uh famous. And you know, I kind of questioned some of that because some of the footage that he showed that was supposedly like this Pleiadian girl was shown to be these two girls on a talk show. So I kind of questioned that as well. And, and I understand exactly what, what Joe Rogan was coming with that. The Billy Meyer story, I don't really buy 100%. Could we be real? Yeah, but I'm not going to put any stock in it. Do you follow Corey Good or uh, Dr. Michael Sala or any of these guys? Like Corey Good's like in the secret space program. And now he's um, on Twitter and he posts about it. And Dr. Corey Michael Sala. Good, I remember hearing a couple of things about him. Doctor, um, I met him before, way back in, in uh, two, I think, 2011. I started doing a YouTube show called The uh, 100th Monkey, and I got to interview him several times. So, Corey Good or Dr. No, Sala? No, uh, Dr. Sala. Okay. Yeah, and, so, their stuff's really interesting and like a lot of detail. And then it's also like, all right, like on the, well, I'm on a... A fine line with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. He, he Dr. Sala really goes into like looking at, he's more of a, a journalist, you know, a journalist investigator kind of person. And for a short while, he was doing like a daily UFO thing, which I found so cool. But it's, I, yeah, I think his website's like Exopolitics or something. Yeah. He calls it. Yeah. And he's a fascinating guy, but some of it, I don't know. It's kind of like, you, you know, getting to, Planet X near Boo or something, and the people are like, they post pictures of it and they swear that it's like that's Planet X and that's the undiscovered one. Like, all right, well, something this big is within our view wouldn't affect the Earth a lot more. Yeah, it gets hard. It gets hard to process that part. Yeah, it's kind of like with flat Earth thing. Really, like I feel the flat Earth thing, and also what we have, you know, where the what what do you call that theory? Like the Earth is solid, and we have all these different layers. Like I, I feel between both of those, there's something missing, you know, and I'm not a flat earther. So like it's I buy more into the growing earth kind of growing. The growing earth, earth is, is interesting too, expanding. It's easy to get sucked into some of the flat earth stuff because NASA lies to you. Like that is provable. Like they just yeah. take tens of millions of dollars, uh, you know, it's like something like $50 million it, a day they have. And None of their stuff. Like, oh, we grew a potato in space. Oh, we grew, we took a flower up. Oh, we, like, you lost a technology to go to the moon from 1969. We can't go back. Well, from the 70s, we were in there. And now we can't go back to the moon. We erased all the tapes. We erased all the, the data, all the telemetry to get us no, to, to the moon. No, we accidentally lost it. Accidentally lost it. All of it's gone. It's been recorded <laughs> over. It's been lost. Uh, we, like, I, iPhone 15s are out. They do all the stuff they can do. You could have, you know, chat GPT get you to the moon. All, like, no, oh, no, no, we can't do that stuff anymore. So people just stop being smart in the 70s. Like we're all just barely functional right now and, and can't redo it. So that's not true. They go there. You see some space bubbles when they're in the space station. You see 
yeah. like, well, that's because they're in water because it's being filmed underwater. Some of that stuff is filmed underwater. They're doing it. Are they really in space? I don't know, but they lie to you. Like, oh, well, the curve. So uh, actually, when you're looking in Michigan and you're seeing the city of Chicago, it's actually an inversion. And what you're saying, like, uh, okay, well, that's not true. If you're supposed to be whatever the number is, I, I just need two credible people. You know, if you're saying that the the curvature of the earth is, you, you know, whatever that, that formula is squared. Okay. So then how come like, you know, there's the, the Salt Lake City that they're on. They're like, well, you actually can see like a hundred miles straight and you shouldn't be able to do that. Like there's just like weird things like that. Now, yeah. now if the earth is bigger, that would make more sense because then you wouldn't have as much curvature. Something doesn't add up somewhere. Yeah, there's, but that's the thing. We don't know what, what it is. And that's where you have to be careful of what to buy into a hundred percent. Because yeah, I buy into very little a hundred percent anymore. I like I like collecting stuff like baseball cards. Like I like knowing about all of them. Now, like what do I like actually give my energy to to believe? Yeah, for that I don't know. Like even the UFOs now, and they just had a a, a skiff hearing. I think it was on Friday. Uh, Congressman Luna, she came out and she was like, well. You know, you should really focus on David Grush's words that he used specifically. And he said he didn't think these were aliens, but that they were interdimensional, which I don't really understand how it's different than alien or not. Like if it's not a human living in our current plane of reality, it seems alien to me. But she yeah, was talking about like, like really focus on that interdimensional part. Even when you travel to a different country, you're an alien in that country. So when I lived in Japan, I was an alien. Like, you know, immigrants who come here, they get an alien card. So right. I don't care what dimension you're from, you're still an alien, you know. Right. You're not even, here. We can't even access like that. God and the angels are aliens because they're not born on the earth, you know. Right. They're not from here. Yeah. Some hate that... When I say that. <laughs> like but they would aliens. be. I mean, if you're just talking to them, if they're not flesh and blood humans, if they're right, not then they're from different here, than yeah. you. If you want to call them God, that's fine too. But then, like, what are you going to call this other non human intelligence that comes down that can fly at, you know, 50 Gs and, and not have their insides explode and they can do all this stuff? Like, okay, that's godlike to somebody. Agree. So kind of bringing it back to, to some of... Thank God someone's keeping us on track. Yeah. No, what about... um, What do you feel like about dreams? Like, what is the... From your point of view, how would you see dreams? I think dreams are fascinating. I, I would like like a worldwide like dream blog that people could just like upload their dreams into. Because, you know, sometimes I get it like, you know, hey, I, I watched whatever I, I watched the Eagles game the other night and then I had like a slice of pizza or something. And then in my dream, there's a slice of pizza playing football. I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. But that's just my brain just getting scrambled for the day and decompressing however it does. So I get that. But there's other dreams where, you know, maybe I was driving around with people I don't know and having these conversations and you wake up and like the thoughts just there, like as it slowly disappears and you're trying to grab it or Keith Richards wrote. Uh, I forget what the hook was, but he was recording himself with satisfaction or something. He would have a tape recorder next to him while he slept and he was muttering the hook and then made the song out of it. Like that has to be something. There's definitely yeah. a dimensional interesting. Now, is every single dream real or is that a dimension? Uh, I don't know. I just watched everything everywhere all at once. And that was, that movie was kind of mind blowing, but like, Hey, is there the hot dog fingered reality of people that they have? Like, Maybe, but do I think like pizza's playing football? I think that was just my brain getting scrambled. But I would love yeah. if you could upload your dream, whatever it is. So, hey, I'm driving around and there was this guy. He told me his name was RM and I put it in there. And then like in your, you know, you wake up the next morning. You're like, hey, I was in this car driving around. There's a guy named Brian. We look kind of like, shit, man. Like, yeah, was this you? Like, that's kind of weird. It seems like that's possible. Yeah. Dreams are, the way I look at, like I take dreams very seriously. And since a very young child, we've always talked about dreams. 
And for me, it's like you have your social life, you have your family life, you have your business life. And this one part we never talk about, you have your dream life. Whether you remember or not, that is part of who you are. And what I feel dreams personally are is, is a major tool. Because here you have a realm with no limitations. You want to be a lion and run around and kill zebras? You can do that. You know, you want to ride dinosaurs? You can do that. You want to fly around like Superman? You could do that. So here you have a part of your reality, or we can call it whatever you want to call it, that you can be limitless with no limitations. And you could work on your problems and stuff like that. And if you don't work out your problems, guess what? Your problems will become part of your dreams, you, your nightmares and dinosaurs chasing you or something like that. And of course, it, it's different to everybody. That's why I don't buy into the, if you dream with a cat, it means this. If you dream with a snake, it means this. Because the thing is, the way you grew up, Brian, the way, even though we're both Americans, we grew up less than 100 miles away from each other. We grew up very differently. So the way, even if you're a part of the same culture, it's not the same family group. You're, even your brother and sister are not going to have the same idea. So the way dreams are going to explain things to you and symbolism are not going to be the same way as you would see them, as somebody else would see them. So that's why it's important that you write down your dreams. The first thing you think about is what did you dream about? And when you get to the point where you can have lucid dreams, of course, some people would take that as like, all right, hot girl, let's get busy. Or you know, let me fly around, but you can work things out in your dreams. And like, I've had dreams where an entire scene of my book, I, I'm watching this like on TV and the whole entire sequence. And I was like, thank you. You know, like you did my job for me. All I gotta do is write it down. But for a lot of those who don't remember the dreams, I always feel you have to, when you wake up and think about it, that's when, for lack of a better word, you solidifying it into your memory of what you were dreaming about. Because if you don't do that, then it just escapes. Like, notice how easy, like, yeah, I remember, and it's gone. You wake up and it's the most important thing. You're like, that's a great thought. Like, I'm going to remember this. And then yeah. you didn't write it down. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, like, how did something so important that I woke up that was, I had that fully formed thought and let it go? Because that is interesting what you're saying. We both, you know, so we have the American culture. That, that we have, we have the Northeast culture that we have, but then, you know, let alone our own life experiences, like our parental experiences, you know, coming from that, I would say it's a muscle you have to work out. So like the dream, if you're just going to, like, I don't work it out. I don't write anything down. I don't put too much credence into it. Yet, as I told you, I think there is something to it, but I'm never going to learn anything from my dreams or use that extra one third of my day every day that I'm sleeping to use that to my benefit. Yeah. Instead, I just kind of fall asleep. I have whatever weird dreams or really important dreams, break down none of it, and then don't learn my lesson for the next day and still like stuck in stuck in the mud of like, oh, why why can't I fix this? Yeah, that's why like my characters, if you read my books, they dream a lot. And that's a big part of, of who they are because it's a big part of who I am. And there's a lot of, you know, I forgot the guy's name, but the guy who invented the sewing machine, you know, the part with the hole. He was dreaming that some tribal men were poking him with spears. And at the end of the spear, they had the little holes. And that's where he got his idea. So there, there's something to it because a lot of things have come out of dreams that have become reality. You know, people dream something and then they make it reality. 
So that's why I say that it's a place where no limitations, where you can explore whatever you need to explore and then bring it back to quote unquote this reality. Yeah, I forget what theory Einstein he was using lucid dreaming. And yes. one of the one of the things you can do is you have a candle at the end of your bed or something flickering, and then you can kind of stare off at it. And then at some point, it, you know, once you practice this enough, but he went then went when he hit the lucid dreaming part and was standing on a comet as it was ripping through the universe. And he was like, Oh, this is the theory that I've been trying to work on. And it made more sense to him that he was in outer space standing on a comet, you know, which is a crazy dream. But to him, he solved his problem that he had to do. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's why it's a very important part of, um, at least for me, it's extremely important. It, it just it's exciting, you know, when you when you dream, and it's something that just blows your mind away. So bizarre, like I had a, a dream where I was in my mom's kitchen when she moved to Florida, and I'm looking out, and there's like these two grays running back and forth. It's dark time, but all of a sudden, I'm back in New York City on the corner of 109th Street in Amsterdam, and there's this Pleiadian woman, and this woman, uh, the best way to describe her is she's black woman, but her instead of being, she has black features, but purple skin, like a light purple skin. They're real beautiful. And they're like arguing. And she was like, so the Pleiadian woman is telling me like, yeah, she's not supposed to be here. And I was like, and the other one's like, why not? You know, I could be wherever I want to be. It was like, because... This planet is only for certain types of people who have, you know, who are either geologists, archaeologists, geologists, a scientific planet, and she's not supposed to be here. I took the whole scene and put it in my book. And I don't know if there was a deeper meaning or, or you know, a reflection of my own life on that. You know, maybe I feel I'm not supposed to be in a certain area or something like that, but I, that's what I did with it. Yeah, there's, you know, none of the stuff can be proven, I, you know, even the stuff, apparently there, there was a, a leaked screenshot of somebody's notes from the skiff on Friday they were talking about, and that it was, there was an agreement with these non-human intelligences to, they would give us technology and they didn't leave out that what we're giving them. But, you know, apparently that's letting them abduct people, you know, yeah. see whatever that is, but that there was five different types of non-human intelligences recovered their ships are all different from each other. Their UFOs are all different from each other and their bodies are different and their, their makeup is very different from humans. So they're talking about these five and Grush said the other day, he's like, well, you know, typical grays that people talk about. He's like, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So now you have four others and it's like, okay, what are we talking about? Are, you know, like Pleiadians, is, is that one of the, the tall Nordics they're supposed to have? It makes that stuff interesting. There's also people say this is like the training plan. It's only meant for like certain people. And like, you know, you can kind of come and observe season 2024 of the earth. If you're, you know, this purple woman or whatever it might be to come yeah. here, but it's not meant for everybody. You know, if you're trying to work it out or like, did, did we choose to come here or whatever it might be like, you know, Hey, that's my struggle every day. I'm trying to figure out, but it, it is interesting, you know, what's yeah, out there and the, the different thoughts. I've heard that a lot of people saying those things, you know, there was a point around 2017 where. And it's not that it still doesn't interest me. Of course, it still interests me. But I feel once you start digging into that, you hit the ceiling because, okay, I'm past that whether UFOs are real or not. I feel there's there's definitely life out there and it's visiting because we would do the same if we can. So I want to know, I'm at the point where I want to know what's their culture like? What do they eat? How do they deal with certain problems that we have? enough with the you know we we're we're having the same like how much can same conversation from 1950 to 
Yeah, we have 80 years of the same conversation. Yeah, it gets boring, you know. Are they real or not? You know, it's like we're past the New York Times came out, the the record of the the paper of record came out of December 2017, whatever it was. And we're like, yeah, UFOs are real. The the tic tac video, the the gimlet. And like people barely batted an eye. And like within people, you know if we have our own community here, but like people within our community are like, yeah, like no shit, man. Like we know this stuff, like what's next. And now here we still are, you know, what's that seven years later, eight years later, and we're still having the same conversation. And it's like, all right, where are they come from? Like, what do they do? Do they have jobs? Like, are, are these soldiers being sent here or are they like the priest class? Like, cause you know, we, we would do a little bit of both. I also get a little concerned that we like to shoot at UFOs and it's like, well, we're probably going to send the Marines and maybe a theologian would go as well archaeologist or some type of scientist but like for the most part the ship that we send to explore another planet the most of it's gonna be like special forces so maybe stop shooting at them instead of just assuming that like yeah we're all superior yeah that's that's like um you meet mike tyson you take a swing at him right like let me find the biggest human being in the world and try to hit him in the jaw like maybe what's wrong with you like like you know it was a guy in a plane starting a fight with Mike Tyson, of course. But you know, it's a, but going back to the UFO thing, it's the same thing. Like, stop shooting at random things without you knowing what you're shooting at. You might be shooting at the Mike Tyson, excuse me, of UFOs. You know, like what's wrong with you? Right, they're um, all not backyard explorers or whatever. You know, explorer movie with Ethan Hawke. They get out in the outer space. Like that's not. These aren't like little kids flying these things around. Like they're intelligent beings that have ways to evade, for the most part, to evade you yeah. know our superior technology that we have. But yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I, I just want more answers. I feel like sometimes I feel like we're really close to that. And other times I'm like, man, we're in so much disinfo right now. Like none of this is true. Yeah. I might be back all the way to being like, you know what? I'm going to believe in UFOs. None of it was ever real. Like it, it's so hard sometimes. I feel like we're stuck in the same conversation and it's it's kind of tiring. But I've had my own experiences and mostly through dreams where I'm talking to these beings and stuff like that. and. In your dreams, they'll tell you certain things about yourself. Or I remember a long time ago, I had this dream, and it's always like these kind of people that they're really, really tall, and I feel like they're some kind of guides or or angelic, maybe, or you know, something like that. And they'll tell me certain things, and when I'm kind of acting the wrong way, they'll yell at me too, as well, like a very parental, you know, and they get angry. Or they'll tell me like, hey, you're doing a great job here. You know, keep up that or something like that. So I'll get guidance from that. So I feel like through our dreams, we can connect to a lot of different beings. It's kind of, you know, sometimes I remember I had a dream that I was seeing a friend of mine's, but back way before I knew him when he was like 19. And I described, I said, did you have long hair? Did you wear a leather jacket? You know, 1980. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, like I saw what you look like. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Like all that stuff is just, you know, there's, there's stories of the people do the ayahuasca retreats in South America and the two shaman, which is like, oh, I'll see you later tonight. And they go to like different parts of, you know, the country or resort, wherever they're having this at. And and they're like, the people like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh no, like we go like ayahuasca journeys and we're conducting it. Like I see him in that world and like they interact and like the other guy will be like, oh, I saw, I saw, you know, Ted and he had a green shirt on. And then, like, he runs across Ted the next day. He's like, hey, Matt, I saw you last night in your green shirt. He's like, how did you know I had a green shirt? He's like, I was in that world with you people. And it's just, you know, that stuff's interesting. That that alternate reality, that extra layer of dreams. We were advanced enough, and we could interact with, 
you know, other dimensions, other planets, other things, but you probably would and reach out and give them advice. Now, is that good advice or bad advice? That's kind of up to the, the person yeah. doing it, you know, but, you know, that seems nice that you have guides for you that are pointing in the right direction and reinforcing, you know, the correct behavior and letting you know where you're slipping up. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because with the whole thing that I've noticed, even if, if you have like bad intention a lot of times, you're not going to be allowed, you, you're not going to have the vibration in order to be at those levels to do those things. So it's kind of like when you meet a person and you're like, this guy is creepy, man. Like, you don't know why, but you just feel it all over your skin. Like, this guy is creepy. And what do you do? You move away. Or, you know, you don't hang out with the same friends that are doing the same thing that you guys were doing back, you know, when you were like 15, 16. It's like, you're still hanging out in front of the 7-Eleven? You're 40. Come on. You know, so it's kind of that same mentality, I feel, when you're dealing with with those kind of beings. You're going to attract what you are you know if you have a low vibration you're going to attract physically and spiritually and mentally you're going to attract those things you know yeah like, the demonic possessions things like that that you know yeah people go on about it's a crazy world man so you're reading literature you're watching movies we're talking about a lot of the same stuff here and then you incorporate that that into your book how much of this do you take as like whole cloth fact or are you just interested in it or like where does that fall for you well, the things that can help my life out, I bring it in. And the other stuff, I put it in the storage of not sure. So is there life out there? A hundred percent. Because look, just look at our earth. There's life everywhere. You know, even in, I think I they found life, some like poison lake. And it was, you know, something that we even go near it. We're just going to drop dead. And there was life in there. They found life on the side of the space station life in deep caves, life in boiling water, you know, deep down in the sea. Yeah, the sulfur vents that are coming up boiling and there's things like little crustacean-like yeah. things picking out the things that are Lobsters coming out. Lobsters and shrimps and stuff yeah. like that. that they find uh, a way. Life finds a way. Yeah. So it's going to find a way all over the in entire universe. So there's definitely life out there. That's very selfish of us to think that we're the only ones. And that's why I write, I write about this. My dream is that somebody is going to pick this stuff up, you know, whether it's my book or somebody else's books, and start working on these technologies to get us out there. Like, and past whether it's real or not, like, hey, how can I get a ride? You know, how can I write about your culture? Like, I was very interested in Japanese culture. That's why I lived there for 12 years. You know, I would like to go visit whatever planet it is you know, for a couple of weeks or something. You know, stay at the Club Med in the Pleiades system or something. That stuff is interesting. And I was, I don't know where I heard the other day. So the first time we can do interstellar travel, our first ship that gets sent out, the technology is going to improve so much that the later ships will get there before the first ship that you're yeah. going to sign up, you know, to go like, Hey, I'm going to be the first person. I guess you'll be the first person on interstellar ship, but like all these things you thought you were going to check off first, you're going to get there. And there's already going to be an established earth civilization, uh, former by the time you get there, right, yeah. by the time you get there. So that stuff's kind of funny, you know, doing that. If you start getting into interdimensional or like wormholes or something, I guess that goes a little faster. What do you think about, do you do any reading on like the previous cultures, possibly on the moon? There's uh, apparently like glass artifacts, glass pyramids. Uh, Richard Dolan, I believe it's Richard Dolan, wrote a book on it. Dr. Uh, John Richard Brandenburg, a nuclear bomb went off on Mars and you can see the whole Sidanian site of Mars is just pyramid ruins next to like dried out lakes. You can actually see 
structure is still there, apparently. You know, some of the pictures that, that JPL releases, there's, there's people that can go in and they manipulate the, the color and the, the contrast, and apparently these things pop out then. Do you have any thoughts yeah, on those? Yeah, there was a lot of stories I've heard um, throughout the years. You know, like there was that one kid who talked about his past life and how there was this like talking about the nuclear exchange and Mars and stuff like that. And unfortunately, since we can't just go there and look at it, but even in places like India, where it's described the mushroom cloud and all of that, I don't think we're the first civilization to figure it out. Uh, Again, we consistently have this very high ego thinking that we're the best and we're the only ones figuring things out. Like, there's there's been civilizations before us and there will be civilizations after us and that's going to be across wherever life can spawn it will so in mars there's definitely more than meets the eye there and i've seen videos where supposedly they do have there's a time in mars where it's like spring and things grow but they never explore kind of that area where through the satellites you can see like things kind of growing in a weird way and supposedly there's lots and lots of gold there like certain areas so mars is is a huge interest in in every way you could think of they pick it's, it's like if you landed in the sahara desert and you're like oh this is earth I'm like well no that's one small section and you picked like the worst place to land you know like go for the rainforest and see all but the different even- animals and the trees and the vegetation yeah, but even in, in the Sahara Desert, there's lots of life. There's ancient ruins all over the place. You right, know? if you dug and you went around, but if you just landed in general with a rover and be like, I'm going to drive one mile today. I'm going to drive 10 feet and look at this amazing little speck of sand that I found. And they spend all yeah. this stuff. And it's like, can we maybe figure out, like go next to these? Hey, if they're not ancient ruins, it also seems they like made they intentionally do that. But a lot of crazy people, quotes, are like, hey, man, look at these old ancient ruins here. And your rover's already there. Like go send your rover over there, or send yeah. another rover, or do something. Yeah, go go look at it. Go take a look at it. I'm I'm sure they have already. It's just that's not something put out into the public. Yeah, we have our shitty rover that's up there right now, and then they have like 50 other high tech ones doing other stuff. We have this little remote control robot going. I I want to apologize to the audience because I keep forgetting names, but there was um one guy who claimed that. He, since he was a kid, he was being sent to Mars for different missions and things like that. And he was part of this uh, program. And, you know, I never bought into that 100%, but just he described this civilization, what humans in that planet kind of looked like. They were like short, stocky. The best proof is always I find experience, even though scientists will always say like, well, that's even that. Yeah, but. If I experience something, I'm not going to write that off, you know, unless, you know, there's proof that I'm psychotic. And even then, like, I feel like you're just tapping into other dimensions and not having any control and things are just coming at you. So you're just kind of like snapping. Right. So Nikola Tesla, famous inventor, free energy, things like this. And he said himself, he's like, people on Mars are telling me what to do. He's like, after these ideas, like I'm just getting told by someone else, like I'm tapping into this, you know, this ether of knowledge, this, uh, uh, and they're telling me what to do. So that's fascinating. Like, don't believe your own tangible experience of, Hey, this happened to me, but well, you know, theoretically, according to science, that can't happen because this, this, and this, you know, but if it's repeatable to you, like, then that's happening more than something theoretical that you can't even, you can't do. Yeah. 
you know, but that's the great thing about life. I feel that no matter how many answers we have, we're going to have that many more questions. You know, the more we figure out, the more questions we're going to have. But that one frustrating question is like, is there life out there? Like that just needs to be answered. And I feel that that's been answered for me. But then again, it's the frustration that we should have been there already. You know, I remember in 1985, 86, I was in the fourth grade and the teacher's telling us, oh yeah, by the time you guys are this age, we're going to be on Mars. We're going to like, you know, he had this whole space station thing built in a, a classroom and showing like the little guys, you know, walking like in, oh, what was the movie? Uh, space Odyssey, 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh yeah, yep. Yep, the Kubrick movie. Yeah. And he had that all built out. And by the time you guys get to, and it's frustrating, it's like, it's been how many years and we're still talking, having the same conversation. And that's the hard part of the UFO stuff. And you're talking about oh, somebody will invent this technology and put it out there. But you can go through like the the patents and see things that have been seized for national yeah. security. Yep. And people have made cars that run on on water. water. And you travel across the whole country in 11 gallons of water. And then that that technology just gets seized and it gets wrapped up. Because, you know, we just stick to this whole disappear. fossil fuel nonsense. Yeah. People disappear. Tragic things happen to them, whatever it might be. It just seems that we're like the roadblocks that come up, they're intentionally put up. It's not, it's not through lack of trying. It's not through lack of education or, or, you know, the, the wanting to go do, you know, the adventure, the spirit of adventure. We were much more adventurous a hundred years ago, I feel. And then now we just get told like, we're the smartest thing ever. Like in 2024, like yeah. our dumbest person is so much smarter than the average person. And it's like, I, you know, I don't say it, you know, you see some of these ancient ruins, you see like the Coliseum, you see the yeah. pyramids. Like there's a lot of beautiful things happening. You know, these, all these marble columns, the Tartaria theory, I don't know if you get into that at all, but like this ancient wiped out civilization and you see, you, you know, some of these towns and buildings that just seem to be built overnight, yet the technology wasn't really there to excavate all this dirt and everything with just horses and carriages that we had. And it's just yeah. really interesting. It's almost like, you know, we re rediscovered some lost things and then kind of occupied them. Or things that, you know, look like light bulbs in ancient, like Egypt and stuff like that. Like, how do these people draw these things in these um, quote unquote tombs, which I don't think they're tombs. You know, they'll draw these things out and there was no lights, there's no soot. And then they have these things that they drew out that kind of look like light bulbs. So... Yeah, they want to they want to gloss over that so fast. And like, we don't understand. They just had fires. Like, all right, where's all the soot then? And like, well, okay, moving on. Or, yeah. you know, they have the one hieroglyphic and it looks like this kind of light bulb within a light and that, you know, a modern light bulb does kind of look like that. I'm like, no, but that's actually just his, his thought and his brain is coming out. Like, okay. I'm, what I'm sure kills me what too is. is that a lot of them, they're Egyptologists or archaeologists. That doesn't make you a geologist. That doesn't make you an engineer, electrician. You know, like that's not your field, right? Like I'm a sci-fi writer. I'm not going to act like I know what it's like to, to write a thesis book because i've never done it that's that's not my specialty yeah. Yeah, i forget the head of the egyptian antiquities but like everything oh. has to get greenlit by him and he if wants he, to do he, he was in jail for a while um oh was he Hawass. Hawass. Uh, yeah yeah but yeah. john anthony west robert shock these guys are coming out yeah. like you can look at the weather erosion on the sphinx and the only time this was happening was like twelve thousand years ago and like he lets none of the stuff go out there's apparently a, a hatch in its back, like more than apparently. There's there's pictures from the early 1900s of people going in the hatch of the, like, no, that doesn't exist either. I, didn't he like kind of ban Anthony West? 
from the uh, uh, th- I guess they were allowed to go there, but he he would just poo-poo some of his requests that he had. Uh, you have to get special requests to go. But I think later on, he, he kind of not allowed. But I know he was in jail when the government changed it over in Egypt. Hawass, uh, I forgot his first name, but... and. But none of no, this would take away from the Egyptian culture. Yeah. It would just grow it even more. And like, not only were you guys amazing 2,500 years ago, you guys were amazing 12,000 years ago. Yeah. And they were showing how by the Sphinx that, that there's like caverns, you know, because there's supposedly the theory of that there's an ancient library, the Atlantean libraries under there. And supposedly they found the caverns and stuff like that. And Hawass just completely like covered it all. You know, it was like, no, no, no. Yeah, there's a void under the pall of the Sphinx, and that's supposed and the to way have he explains library. things is like it's obvious you don't know what you're talking about because he's like, oh, this tomb was built, you know, where where the pharaoh sits. Like this was built with a rock like this, and it was it was like, no, it wasn't, absolutely not. Like look how smooth that is. It's, no, <laughs> it's hard to believe some of the stuff they tell you. And there was this guy on Twitter and he does Egyptian tours and I was going back and forth with him a little bit in a positive way. Uh, but I was like, I was like, have you guys ever used LIDAR over there? And they kind of scan over the rainforest now and they can see these like grown over vegetation. Yeah. They can see these cities that are grown over and and lost. And he's like, oh yeah, he's like, there's so many structures under the sand that we have mapped, but like we're, we're just not getting permission to dig them. Yep. And then even go back to Tepe that there are, I think that's supposed to take 250 years to fully excavate. Because they want to save it for future generations to excavate as well. And this way they get, it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This just seems yeah. more like ways to control the narrative as you go. Yep. One of the things I heard about, who was it I heard this from, but that the Egyptian military was using some of those, because there's a lot more pyramids than just the, the famous ones, that they were using these as target practice a lot of the times. And, you know, the jets would fly over and bomb them. And supposedly this, I forgot who it was, but she saw some of them like ruined because they were being hit. And some of them are like half buried from the sand under the Sahara and stuff like that. So again, there's being, there's definitely a cover. There's no doubt about that. What the cover is and and why they're doing it, you know, so we start asking ourselves the questions like, why wouldn't they tell us about UFOs? Is it really about the aliens or... That the you know the people are going to run wild and, and you know start attacking each other and stealing. No, is it more that what are they? Well, they're not filling up on Exxon to get here, you know. But what are they using? How are they getting here? It's the free energy that they're covering up, and then if this is interdimensional and these things are showing up as like a three D entity person, you know, then that means that like we could escape the system. You know the system of debt that they put us in, the system of of bad food, of of yeah. you know scientifically grown you know lab meat that they want to give everybody, and the big pharma. Everybody go on your medicine and just take this forever. But if like you could just be like, you know what, I want to go live on Jupiter for a little bit and see what that's like. And oh, they actually their their monetary thing is like kindness, and the kinder you are, the better of a house you live in. And there's people like like there's you know you couldn't even comprehend some of the things that they might have, but yeah. you have to tie it here to the dollar and everything else you want. I mean. If you could think about how many different civilizations through the galaxy, just look at how many different cultures we have within one species, one race. And I'm speaking about the human race, how different we are and, and culturally and stuff like that. And then, so just imagine how many within one, if we find just one planet, how many different cultures you're going to find within that planet? Because just look at us. 
it's just everything would be there. You talked about going back to the Dominican in the summer and you're growing up and, you know, the stars with your dad and the Northeast here, well, New York City, Metro, Philadelphia, Metro yeah. area, not getting a ton of stars. You know, you really have to go out in the middle of nowhere. And even still, the light pollution is just so bad from everywhere. You don't get a yeah, ton of stars. Even deep in Long Island is still, it's better, but it's yeah, not you see, you see more, but you start going, I, I went on a cruise in high school and being out in the middle of the ocean and looking up and it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, this is yeah. insane. And, you know, start thinking about it. every star is just a sun, someone else's sun, and that every star you see has planets going around them. So you're looking up and like, good luck counting them. Like, okay, that's a million, you know, and a million times. Hey, just everyone has two planets. That's two million planets. You, you start doing all of this. Like, how many different species are there? How many different? It's, it's just crazy. And that's the truth that like, that's all we want. And I, I think people can handle it, but it would just be, I think they're concerned about lack of control. Yeah, and tying it back to to my books, especially the United Earth series, that's what I I'll, I'll show you the cover, one of the covers. Obviously, you guys can't see it. Yeah, that's awesome. But um, you can go to my website and check it out, which is uh, rmalmonte.com. I looked into a lot of the different species. So we have the Pleiadians, we have the feline species, we have the draconians, we have the prey mantis, and also the other reptilians, the more like kind of flat face that you'll hear people talk about. So I took all those species and, and put them into my books and try to culturally, you know, some people would say, you know, culturally like this. So I'll try to add that. I have like the grays, the hybrids all in there. And how this kind of started was, you know, just a simple idea of I want to get into space. But if I try to be an astronaut, we're not going to do anything with it, right? We're just going to go up to the here. So the main character, Stevie, he wants to go out into deep space and really, so he makes this UFO. But, you know, like in, I believe in real life, what would happen is me and you created a spaceship, guess who's going to come after us? So that's what happened to them and they had to leave. But they bumped into like good cultures and bad cultures and then the draconians. And that's where you know, things kind of heat up with that. And, you know, I I don't, I never know how to really take those videos when you see like, you know, it'll be like President Biden or some lady and you'll see her eyes like turn into. Um, they do the sideways blink, like the pupil yeah. will do like a sideways blink. Or uh, a video that my niece sent me on TikTok where she's talking about this guy just kept staring at her and she was like, what are you looking at? You know, and his eyes just turned all black and then went back to normal. We've done it ourselves where we'll go into a different culture and, and change ourselves. And, you know, like you'll see in Star Trek that they'll change themselves physically to go to this non-warp civilization. They're definitely doing it. And I feel like they're all around us. And God knows how many times you've bumped into one, you know, or talked to them. Oh, or said, Excuse I, me. I'm sure. So I've seen the clips of the side. I, so I, what I like to do is if I see that stuff, you know, on Twitter or, or Instagram, or whatever, I try to go find the C-SPAN feed, like the true C-SPAN feed. And if like they put, yeah. you know, sometimes it'll be on the date because you can manipulate a lot of things. That's what we talked about. So the side blinking, I, I haven't done too much of a deep dive. I've seen that video and they're interesting. One time though, Biden was talking and his, his eyelid just completely flipped up and it was like all the underside, you know, yeah. like flesh part. Uh, he didn't even blink it away. He didn't put his hand up there. It's like, it just stayed there. And like that, that's crazy. 
Like, just think, like, if your eyelid just flipped on its own and you just like, just keep talking, like, you don't even realize that. Like, so that, that gives a little credence to, you know, who was it at that time doing it. But they always talk about how Biden is never the same person. Man, you see some videos. Just just look at pictures from him over the years, over the weeks. And you're like, which one is this? Which which clone did we get? Yeah. He had a ball sack chin the one time. He was on Air Force One. He was talking. It was a huge dent into his chin. And, you know, like a huge cleft that like, he does not have. Yeah. And then he, the next day, he wasn't there anymore. It's like, what? It was like the Peter Griffin. You know, it was, like, it was crazy Yeah, uh, that he had that. And then there was a video that I was watching the other day and I found it on C-SPAN. And it's Biden. He's talking and he goes and he scratches the back of his neck and he pushes like the mask over. So yeah. there's like ends up crinkling with like four lines right there. And it's like, we're not, we're not told the truth about our reality right now. And like, who are the people talking to us? Like, let alone yeah. is that reptilian or is this just people who. But, but even like, let's control. bring it down to just a regular human. There are masks that me and you can buy on Amazon that we can put over our face, even with our beard and everything. And, you know, put it in and, you know, I could look like a white person or I could look like an Asian person or I could look like whoever. And the better the makeup person, the better the mask would look. And yeah, there were some Israeli videos that were coming out of like the soldiers taking masks off. Yeah. And it was it was crazy. Like this long, dark haired woman had on like this rough, rugged guy's face. And you're looking at him and just like reach, you know, unzip the shirt and like rip it. And like it, it's like Mission Impossible times fifty. Like it is, it's crazy. Yeah, and that's not. It's not some amazing technology. So is that possible? It can easily happen. There's so much, but you know, there, there's always a balance too because you you have to be careful that when you're looking into these things that you don't go over the edge yourself because you could become like this freaked out, paranoid guy. You know, in the middle of your own you know, this 25 acre with a shotgun. Oh, come near me. Yeah. I, I interviewed this guy, real nice guy. His name's John Kerwin. And he wrote a conspiracy guides, survivalist book. And he, he was probably like 50, 60 year old guy, nice guy. And in like 2016, he just like fell down like all the rabbit holes. And he went from being like a normal dad and husband to where his family was like, Hey man, you got to get back into reality or we're leaving. And they packed up and left. And he's like, I'm on a mission from God. I'm here to explain everything. And it's like, all right, man, like, again, I said earlier, like, I like to collect this stuff like baseball cards. Now, like how much, hey, if the earth's flat, like that doesn't really change that I have bills to pay. I've got a wife and kids and like a whole life I have to do. Child and, I, and I get, you know, I'm trying to be the best person for them. I was like, to go down this. And like, he was like into all of them. I was like, well, like, just take a deep breath because each rabbit hole on its own can be interesting. And YouTube videos can show you whatever you want, you know, like the yeah. numbers lie and, you know, figures lie and liars figure, you know, your YouTube videos can do the same thing for you. But then also like, how is that benefiting your life? Like you have to like really weigh that. So I, I think it's interesting to watch and to collect and to incorporate into science fiction stories or to have an awesome conversation with somebody who's like open to these things. But like, if you start really trying to act on them in real life, you're definitely gonna find yourself like a doomsday prepper. But then yeah. also you never know when the doomsday is coming. Like it hasn't come since the beginning of time that that's another one that i don't even and knock on wood that i'm not left there you know holding the the cup and you know everything everybody to cover and i'm just like oh crap <laughs> you know but i the first time i heard that was in 1990 it was going to rain blood then um 1999 y2k then the last one was 2012 now supposedly like 20 
25, you know, an asteroid's going to hit. So it's like, okay, you know, and if you go back even further, every so often there's another doomsday and it's like, yeah, whatever. You know. Like the Heaven's Gate, they were all drinking the Kool-Aid to get in the back of Halley's Comet. But it's like, okay, well, I don't think you guys ascended. Maybe you did. I don't know. But no, you spent you your whole life. life. Yeah, but you spent your whole life around this. And I, I guess drinking the poison, you're guaranteed something. But if you're like, hey, why 2 k is going to crash? I'm going to sell off all of my assets. I'm going to get cash only. I'm going to sell my house because the world's going to go to shit. Well, guess what? January 2nd, 2000, the world didn't crash. And now you're left with nothing. Yeah. You know, so you have to like, you know, just tread carefully and have fun with the stuff. But, you know, some people can go down a pretty dark rabbit hole. Yeah, like everything in life, you have to balance it out. And there's a lot of things that you can do to better yourself and society that is a lot more helpful than finding out all this information and preaching it out and people just looking at you like you're nuts, you know? Yeah. I have a hard cutoff in five minutes. So you're welcome back here anytime. I'm having a lot of fun with this. Thank you. I appreciate How about, it. Yeah, man, I love it. How about you give me an overview of your the books that you have, the books that are coming, the work that's coming, and then like where we can find you. Okay. So uh, really quickly, the first one I have is Scratching the Cosmic Conscious, and that one is a standalone. Then I have this series um, that's published now, United Earth. Uh, we have the be first one will be Rough Beginning, Exiled, and uh, Despair and Hope. And then I finished part four of that one. I haven't picked a name for it yet. And then I have another book, which is a time travel book that playing with, with this girl who kind of like can travel through using like this fog and i i won't go deeper into that and you can find me uh i'm on instagram and you can find my website is www.rmalmonte.com just think of to the mountain which, which in spanish is al monte my family is at war with the Del Montes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'll put all these links in the show notes. I'll, I'll put all yeah. that in there so it's easy for people to find you and everything. Yeah, on my website, I'll have all the links there. And my books, you could just find them on Amazon. Just put in RM Almonte and they'll, they'll come right up. All right. As we wrap up, let's go down one little rabbit hole real quick. Sure. Th time travel. Do you, do you think it's ever possible? But then like, how do you get back? Like, what Did you work through any of that or are you just not going to get stuck in the science of it? I like we create really, a time machine here, it doesn't mean there's a time machine somewhere else. Like you yeah, need portals. The way I worked it out in the book was more the this fog that she meets when she's younger, and that fog is supposed to be what controls time. Okay. And it gets more complicated than that, but basically, when she is near water, that fog comes up, and she can go jump to the next thing that she has to do kind of similar to when people dude you've been gone for you know three weeks on the plane and all of a sudden like you appear three weeks later like just a mile away from where you disappear or sometimes on the other side you know yeah. those the bermuda triangle kind of stories so yeah. that's where i got the idea for the fog okay stuff like yeah that. sometimes some, i think some of these ancient sites maybe you could I guess maybe you could transit time through them. Like if you were at the Egyptian pyramids, you could go to, you know, the... Uh, but I, I think you need like, I feel like there's a key missing or something that, because they they definitely had a connection, you know, like the Incas and the Egyptians and, you know, in Colombia, like they found cocaine traces in, in the... Pharaohs. In the Egyptians, yeah. 
Yeah, and you know they found corn in India, things like that. Things that did are not supposed to be on the other side of the world. Right, we supposedly following the tradition. You know, well, that's why I like that growing earth as well, too, because things have been a lot closer to begin with. You know, yeah. so instead of the, the plates shifting, the, the earth is actually kind of growing a little bit and pushing it out. And that, that is similar of tectonic plate shifting, but also a little different. Yeah, it makes sense because if, if it's growing out, like if you volcanoes grow, everything grows except our planet. Like everything on the mountains grow, you know, things get deeper except our planet. That's yeah. the only thing. Like, it, sorry, we're skipping you on that one. The star, <laughs> this, our sun grows, except our planet. Yeah, no, that that's I like that theory, and, and I think sometimes that works better than the tectonic shift. And it's like, all right, everything fits so perfectly together. Yeah, yeah. like that to spread out would be like yeah, because so they always long. do it on one side, but they never show the backside. The backside also fits too perfectly. Yeah, and with the dinosaur theory, it would make more sense because it's a. You know, the gravity would be lower, so these things can grow bigger. As the planet got bigger, they couldn't really, you know, these bigger animals couldn't really survive. So it got smaller and smaller over time. I'm on board with the man. I love all of this stuff. Again, you are invited back whenever. Open door policy. You know, a few weeks, we'll let the people enjoy this one, and then we'll have you back on, man. We're going to get crazy yeah, again. Just, just let me know uh, when, you know, if you somebody uh, cancels on you or something like that, yeah. call me up. Say, hey, what you doing today? <laughs> awesome, man. I'm in. I sincerely appreciate all your time. Thank you so much for coming on and you have a good day. You too. All right. Have take care. Everyone. All right. Bye. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time. 